there we are. Good morning, everybody, and good morning and hello to those on Christian Coffee Time and others uh, joining in this uh, video. We're going to uh, continue our study in the Gospels. We're looking at um, the Lord Jesus. We're up to uh, he, Him being in the temple and in the area uh, um, every morning. He, we, we already covered the um, triumphant entry, but we want to look at something a little different here this morning and take a couple rabbit trails here, sort of. But I want you to uh, um, turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 21 today. Make sure you have writing materials. There's a lot of some verses here for you to write down, to look these up afterwards so you can get these things in your head and study it out yourselves. It's not good enough that you just take my word for it. You look and see that this is what the Bible says. Okay, that's very important for people to do. And not only for those on the video, but those here as well. Write stuff down and search it out and check it and such. We're just going to Matthew today because uh, Matthew has a little bit more information in the, in the topic that we want to. We can go and some of the other Gospels have other bits and pieces. And following, I have a book that has all the four, four the harmony of the Gospels there and it's quite fascinating. But anyways, we want to look at, uh, today we're going to um, read a, a passage here and then we're going to note one word that's used four times in this passage and just take a bit of a, a, a side trail on that. So let's have a word of prayer first of all. Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, for this time for us to look into the Bible. And we pray that you'd help us. Lord, we do pray that your word will go forth in the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit today. And Lord, we just thank you. Guide us and help us and thank you in Jesus' name. So uh, just follow in your Bible, please. Matthew 21, <clears throat> we're picking up at verse 23. Last week, remember, we touched on the uh, fig tree that was withered. And now um, uh, we have uh, the Lord Jesus. They've come past the fig tree, dealt with that. Now they've come up to the temple, okay? And when he had come into the temple, the chief priest now over in you can write this down in Luke chapter 20, verse 1. The parallel passage to this has a, a couple of things more than what Matthew has. Here it says, when he was come into the temple, the chief priests and the elders. But in Matthew, it tells us that the scribes were there too, okay? So the three groups are mentioned. Came unto him as he was teaching. And Luke 20, verse 1 also says that he was teaching the gospel, okay? So, um... By what authority dost thou these things? And who gave thee this authority? So they, uh, they surrounded the Lord and came up and, and, and uh, as soon as he got there, I guess, and uh, they're, they're doing this particular thing. I found it very interesting. They asked him two questions, but note what the Lord himself says in verse 24. And Jesus answered and said unto them, I will ask you one thing. This is a whole other topic for another time. It's not what we're doing this morning but just something for you to look at and think about. Why do you think he said that? Uh, which if you tell me, I and likewise will tell you what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, whence was it from heaven or of men? And they reasoned with themselves saying, if we shall say from heaven, he will say unto us, why did ye not then believe him? But if we shall say of men, we fear the people for all hold John as a prophet. And they answered Jesus and said, we cannot tell. And he said, what? And he said unto them, Neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. So the word we're going to look at this morning is that word authority. It's mentioned four times there. 
uh, just kind of sticks out. The Lord had to mention it once, that's important, but if he mentions it several times, well, something to think about. What we want to do is, I've got basically two different messages here, and I want to just, two smaller messages, and just kind of fold them in together. And we're going to put them under the uh, heading of the authority of God's Word and such. Now, today is what people call Palm Sunday. This is the the, uh, the day that many say that, <clears throat> excuse me, that the Lord Jesus rode into uh, uh, Jerusalem, you know, and presented himself as the king, and presented himself as the lamb. Uh, Palm Sunday, so-called. Now, what we want to do is look at the Word of God and the authority of the Word of God. If you had 99% of the whole population of the whole earth said it was on Sunday, and if the Bible said it was another day, which would you believe? You have to believe what the Bible says. It's an authority. And that's one of the things we're looking at this morning we're trying to get across is the authority of the Word of God in the life of the believer. <clears throat> Excuse me. So what I want you to do right here is uh, um, turn over to John chapter 12. Actually, we were there last week, or we've been there for quite a while. We had been, but we'll go back to John, or go over to John chapter 12. And we want to look at something. We want to just see this. Seeing that this is that day that they say is Palm Sunday. So what does God say about it? What does He say? Does the Bible tell us what day it is? Uh, yeah, it does. So and we, I know we've done this before. We did it last week. We've done it weeks before. <clears throat> Excuse me. But we're looking at the authority of the Word of God to... I say to people sometimes we have disagreements about things. And they say, if I could show you from the Bible this and this and this to be true and be like this, would you accept it? Did you know there's sometimes people will not accept that? Mm -hmm. They'll say, well, this is what I was taught. Well, I don't care what you're taught. Neither is God. What does the Bible say? You have to, if you're taught what the Bible says, that's good. Anyway, from John chapter 12, verse 1, for those that hadn't heard this before or whatever, we'll just uh, touch on it uh, briefly here. In John chapter 1, look what it says. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover... Six days before the Passover. Now we know that the Passover was going to start on the Sabbath. The Sabbath is mentioned. Some say there were two Sabbaths. That's very incorrect. There was one. It's called the Sabbath. There's only three days mentioned here. There was the crucifixion day, there was the Sabbath, and then there was the first day of the week. But it, the Lord tells us here what day of the week this was. Okay? It's Jesus, is, uh, and we're backing up, and this is the, uh, a triumphal entry. We want to look at it because... This is what people call, this is Palm Sunday and that. Six days before the Passover. Well, if you go to the Passover on the Saturday, you want to back up six days. What's one day before? The Sabbath would be our Saturday, right? Okay. What's one day before that? Friday. Uh, two days before that is Thursday. Three days before that is Wednesday. And... Uh, uh, and four days, I have to count my fingers, four days before that, where are we at? Tuesday. And five days before that is Monday. And six days before that is Sunday. And where is Jesus? He's at the home of Simon the leper. Matthew 26, verses 6 to 13. says he's at the house of Simon the leper. And Mary and Martha are there. And Lazarus is there. And they're preparing a supper for him. And this is when Mary anoints the uh, Lord's, uh, anoints the Lord again with the ointment. For the second time. First time she did it way back in the first year of his uh, ministry when she was a sinner. Now she's anointing, his, uh, uh, anointing him again 
when she's a, a saint, a believer. That's a whole other study. But the point we wanted to make is six days before the Passover makes it a Sunday. What they would call back then, they numbered the weeks. It was the first day of the week. Okay? Bible says that right there. We know when the Sabbath is. We know when the Passover was going to begin and all that stuff. It was the Passover week and, and the week of unleavened bread would begin on the Sabbath. Not number of Sabbaths. It was one Sabbath, the Sabbath, singular. And six days before that, he, there he is. Okay? Now I want you to go ahead to verse 12. On the next day, okay, generally after Sunday comes Monday. Right? Okay? So it's on a Monday, John 12, 12. On the Monday, much people that were come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him, etc., etc. That's when he would ride in, on the Monday. Okay? I mean, it, it just tells us that right there. The triumphal entry was on the Monday, not Sunday. So, well, big deal. You know, it is a big deal. God went to some lengths to show us exactly when it was. And if he says that's when it was, then that's when it was. And the other thing that we uh, had looked at, and a very, very important thing, God is a God of order. And the things done in the Old Testament are pictures and shadows of things to come. And Jesus Christ would be the fulfillment of all those things that happen. And we don't have to turn there right now, but you can write down Exodus chapter 12, verses 3 and 6, when the Passover is being instituted, being brought forth um, back in uh, Egypt. In Exodus chapter 12, the Lord's bringing that to them. And he says, now what you need to do is you need to choose out a lamb for every household. And he says, and the lamb, you will keep it, and you choose it out on Nisan 10. Their, their year would start at that time, 10 days into that month of Nisan. On the 10th, you choose your lamb. Okay? And then he says in verse 6, he tells them, on the 14th day, you are to kill the lamb for the Passover. Okay? Now watch this. So we've just established from the Word of God that he rode in on the Monday. He's presenting himself as the Lamb of God. He's going to the cross. Some people say, oh, he went to the Jews and he was presenting the kingdom and they didn't want it, so it's postponed. Does that make the, the cross plan B? That's dumb. He went. He was going to the cross of Calvary. He's showing himself and presenting himself on, I read that it was actually Nisan 10 when he actually, the day he rode in there. Well, the day was like, yeah, okay, it was. Uh, I'm getting mixed up there. Now, they were to keep the lamb, back in Exodus tells us they were to keep the lamb until the 14th. So let's just count ahead. This being Monday, uh, the, say that's the 10th, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Nisan 14. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Friday. I used to think it was Thursday. I thought I had it all worked out until the Lord showed me a little portion of Scripture. In Mark, you ever read the Bible a hundred times or something, a passage? Then you read it another time, you say, hey, I've never seen that before. Mm -hmm. Yeah? And it's not a bad thing to say, hey, I was wrong. If you turn over in your Bibles or just have a listen, you're going to write down Mark chapter 15, 
verse 42, and you'll find the same thing over in Luke 23, but I think Mark has a little bit more information for us. So we have determined from the Word of God that Jesus rode in on the Monday, the 10th of Nisan, and on the Friday, the 14th of Nisan, He was killed. He's the Passover Lamb. He's the Lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. Amen? Amen. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Amen? There He is. And that's what's going to happen. God will keep to that schedule. Not only that, we have in Mark chapter 15, verse 42, it says, And now when the even was come, it was evening was coming, because, because it was the preparation, that is the day before the Sabbath. He'd just been crucified on that day right there called the preparation day. Okay? And the preparation day was, what does it say right there? Is the day before the Sabbath. We know that the Sabbath is a Saturday. He's killed on the day before the Sabbath, which is Friday. There's only three days mentioned here, okay? And you drop down to chapter 16, it says, And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, had bought, bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning... And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, that's a Sunday. So what has the Lord just told us right there? Preparation day is the Friday, the day before the Sabbath. They have the Sabbath. They couldn't go, they had to take him down, get him in the tomb. If they couldn't do it on the Sabbath, they couldn't anoint him. They had to wait till the, till the first day of the week, the Sunday, three days. And we're not going to get into right now, just for time's sake, how they get that. If you look at the Jewish calendar, how their day begins in the evening and such like that, you'll get the three days and three nights there. Uh, Palm Sunday is not Palm Sunday. Tomorrow is Palm Monday. Mm -hmm. That's what the Bible says. The authority of the Word of God. Will you accept it? Do you see it? Does it affect you? Now we want to go back to Matthew chapter 21 now, and I'm going to put uh, that little message in with this little message here, and all under the heading, the... Uh, uh, um, the authority of God's Word. We want to look at that word authority mentioned four times right there in Matthew uh, 21, uh, verses uh, 23 and 24 and 27. What is this thing? What is this thing? How does somebody get this authority? And what is this thing? We're just going to look at a couple things here just very easily today. You have in your Bible sometimes you'll have the word power being used. So somebody had power to do this or whatever. Um, there's generally two different words used for that. One's exousia, which means uh, 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 just power, and that authority is what the word is used right here. Or the other one is dunamis. I think, I wonder if that's where we get a word dynamite from. I'm not sure it means might and ability, but it's not that one being used. It's this one that means power or authority. You have the power to do that. And you stop and think about that. Say you're driving down through town sometime and you've got a green light up ahead of you and a police officer stops off, steps off the curb and he puts up his hand. We just go right around him, right? No, why? Because he has authority to do that. He's got the power to do that. Given to him in that position that he's in from the government and all that kind of thing, okay? We see kind of what it is. And they ask Jesus, um, by what authority do you do these things? Who gave you this authority? How is it received? Well, we just talked about the uh, uh, 
the policeman there. What is it for? Well, there has to be rules and there has to be laws, does there not? What happens if you don't have rules and laws and stuff that are proper for people? What happens? What happens is what you see in society today in North America and Europe and all around. You see things collapsing and you see widespread uh, crime and stuff because the laws are not being upheld, are they? They're not being upheld and those and the authorities are not there. Um, there will always be rebels to every form of authority. There always will be. And the police are to uphold the laws and protect society and such. So we can look at, and we're not going to go there right this morning. I want you to, this is one of the lessons, I want you to go and look this up yourself afterwards. Romans chapter 13. And as soon as we say Romans 13, you know what that's about. You know it's about the uh, governments and such that have set up and the police forces and armies and stuff like that. Okay, to keep laws and stuff, and you do that which is right, you'll be fine. If you do that which is evil, you'll be punished. He bears, bears the sword. God's given him this, and so on and so forth. But there's a little uh, phrase in there in one of the verses that says that the, uh, the rulers are not a terror to good works. Mm -hmm. The rulers are not a terror to good works in Romans 13. You've heard some people say... And even over uh, this past while, when they had, uh, you know, the uh, so-called pandemic and all that stuff was taking place, and the people were saying, even from pulpits, were saying, "You do exactly as the as the government says. You have to do it because God put them in there, and God says so, and so on and so forth." No, He didn't. No, He didn't. Yeah, but it says that right there. What does it say? It says that rulers, and the whole thing is that God gives. Uh, government and the idea of police forces and such like that God has that and this is what he wants and when God sets them up they are not a terror to good works and we're seeing today in society and all around us that there's those in those places are calling good evil and evil good God didn't place them there well how do you know that because the Bible says so Two verses for you, just two for now. Over in Hosea chapter 8, verse 4. Now you write that down and look it up later. It says this They have set up kings, but not by me. They have made princes, I knew it not, says the Lord. Okay? And 2 Samuel 23 and 3 says this. Now get this. The God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spake to me, He that rules over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. Amen. And when God places those people in there, they will rule in the fear of God. Did God place some of the rulers of the world today that are doing evil things and so on and so forth? No, He did not. He did not. Do you have to obey the things where they make crazy, foolish, stupid? No, you don't have to obey that. How dare anybody stand up in a pulpit or anywhere else and say that God places them all in there when the Bible says otherwise? Sorry. The authority of God's Word. Okay? So we do have civil authorities. We have moral authorities too. One of those authorities, if we can put it that way, is our conscience. Everybody has a conscience. Um, uh, Walt Disney used to say, let your conscience be your guide. 
Well, that would be fine and dandy if your conscience was guided by and built upon the foundation of the Word of God and such, eh? And that you knew how to call good things good and not and evil was evil and so on and so forth. Uh, you can't let your conscience uh, be your, your guide. What affects your conscience? Well, the teachings of men. Every time you turn on your television, you're being taught something, whether you know it or not. Every time you turn on the radio and a song, they're teaching you something. They're te teaching you morals. And generally, the stuff that we watch and listen to are from people that have no morals. How's that going to affect us? It's going to affect our conscience. It's going to dumb us down and so on and so forth after a while. Okay, Our conscience won't be like what it should be. The teachings of man can do that. The old nature, the old nature that we have wants to rule, wants to uh, have us do this, that, and the other thing. It wants us to just do all those things we used to do. For the unsaved, if you're unsaved and you're listening to this today, you don't have anything you can do about your old nature. You're going to do the things that your old nature wants. The Bible says you're under the power and control of the devil. That's what it says. But when you get saved, the Spirit of God comes and lives inside of you to overcome that thing. But have you noticed that even being a Christian, that your old nature wants you to go and do things that you used to do or think about and so on and so forth? It's a constant battle. Am I the only one that has a constant battle? Please put your hand up if you have a constant battle. Okay. It is. We do, because that's what's... Could you imagine if you didn't have the Holy Spirit? Okay. This moral authority. We have our old nature is not good enough. The teachings of man is not good enough. We have a conscience and things that God has placed in the conscience of individuals, even the unsaved, have these certain things that, uh, for instance, thievery, you know it's wrong. You just know inside that it's just wrong. You know that murder is wrong. You know that lying is wrong. We just know that. We don't have to be taught that, okay? But like I said, there will always be rebels to every form of authority, even to that, won't there? Mm -hmm. We want to just look at the ultimate authority this morning. The ultimate authority is the Holy Spirit of God and the Scriptures. And those that are unsaved, they will say, well, I don't want to listen to that. You need to, because you don't have a chance otherwise. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. God was manifest in the flesh. God took on human flesh to go to the cross of Calvary to pay the price of your sins because the wages of sin is death. You will die. You will go to hell if you don't get saved. Jesus Christ paid the price, was buried and rose from the dead the third day. Amen? Amen. And God says, if you will believe in my Son, if you will accept Him, if you put your faith in Him, if you will trust in Him, you'll be saved. You'll be changed, and you'll be given the gift of the Holy Spirit. When we often we think of salvation, we think of eternal life. And yeah, we do have eternal life. That's one of the um, products of it. The Bible says the gift of the Holy Spirit that we have. We consider the ultimate authority, the Holy, uh, the Holy Spirit and the Scripture. God's moral law, God's moral code. You'll be judged by it. If you're unsaved, you will be judged by that one of these days. Mm -hmm. Revelation chapter 20. Get a Bible and look at it and read about it. If you're not saved, you die in your sins, you will be there. And you will be judged out of the books. And they'll all be opened. 
and the scriptures will be there. And it'll be opened and you'll be judged. Be judged. Well, let's just wrap this up. So we see that there's authority. And there needs to be authority. And the ultimate authority is God's authority. It's God's world. Everything in it belongs to Him. He can do as He likes with it. God has the authority. He's given us the scriptures for us to follow and look at these things and learn. He's given us the Spirit of God for those that believe in Jesus Christ. The scribes and the Pharisees in them didn't have an authority. Uh, there's a verse, uh, where is that now? I forget where it is. It's in here somewhere. Uh, we just crossed over it just recently. Where Jesus was teaching the people. He always was teaching the people, always going to the temple. He's teaching them, teaching them, teaching them. And it says, and the people marveled that he spake not as the scribes, but he spoke as one with authority. The authority of God. Um, a force to be reckoned with. You would obey the police officer that steps out in the street and holds his hand up and you stop your car. And God is so far above that. God is, God is the one who, who brought all that together and said that's what there will be in a proper society and such. But what about God if he puts his hand up and he says, Stop! You're in danger. You need to get saved. You need to listen to these words. Mm -hmm. And there's another portion that says God commands all men everywhere to obey the gospel because mm -hmm. it's good for you. He's holding his hand up. God, the ultimate policeman, we could say that, the God of the universe holds his hand up and says, Stop what you're doing. You need to get right. I've done it all. I've paid for it. You'll believe a police officer, but you won't believe God. What's wrong with this picture? The ultimate authority. Jesus is the God-man. The authority right there in himself. What about you? What about you? What about every one of us today? Is God's word your authority on everything? Everything. 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 Or is it you? That's all. Let's pray. Father, again, we give thanks, Lord. We just thank you for your grace. We thank you for your word that you've given us the Bible, your, your authority. We just thank you, Lord. We just pray that, well, that we would heed it. We would teach others. That people would get saved. From hearing your word, that people would be obeying you, Lord, and your authority. But, Lord, we just thank you and leave it with you. And thank you for this opportunity for us to gather together to look into your word. And we just thank you for it. And we thank you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right. Just some things to think about. Now go and uh, look up those verses that we mentioned today. And, uh, and that will be good for you. Thank you very much, folks, for joining in. And we'll see you next week, Lord willing. Okay. Thank you very much. Bye.